Hey y'all, welcome back to New Slang. I'm your host, music journalist Thomas Mooney, and we're closing down the week with a good one here. It's with the Red Clay Strays. More specifically, it's with Drew Nix and Andrew Bishop of the Red Clay Strays. I mentioned it at the top, but I first saw and met them on a Tuesday night at the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, and it was like their first show in Lubbock. I, and along with some other friends, we were really just blown away and basically started buying as much of the Red Clay Stray stock as possible. We've kept up ever since, and really, this podcast has been in the works for a good minute now. We've had a couple of obstacles come up along the way, but, you know, we finally got it done. Long story short, a couple of shows back, we didn't have time to fit it in, and then this last time they were here, we were going to do another one in person, but they had a little bit of bus trouble, so we opted for the old Zoom call instead. And lucky for us, we got a few more stories out of it. You'll hear more about that all in a minute. But I really love what Drew, Andy, and the guys are doing musically. It feels like they already have a distinct sound and a feel that's, of course, like rooted in this 70s Southern rock, like Almond Brothers feel, and some of that 50s Elvis. But it is ever-evolving, and they're finding their way. It's exciting to see. It's exciting to see how, like young bands, they grow and they morph in those early formative years. What are those things? What are those moments, those watershed moments that make them go off into a certain direction? They officially do have a few songs out right now. And of course, if you go over to YouTube, you can find even more. But I promise this is going to be one of those bands you want to be paying attention to. I think they're going to go off and do some really great things. Today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Sultal. If you've been listening to New Slang for really any amount of time, you'll know that Desert Door is one of my all-time favorite premium, high-quality spirits. If you haven't or aren't sure what exactly a Sotol is, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that's going to up the game on your liquor cabinet. For starters, the best reference point that I can point you to is to think about a tequila or a mezcal. Do you feel that Western desert, that Texas ruggedness? Okay, Soto is like that, but a little bit more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It intrigues the palate and offers these hints of vanilla and citrus. There's an earthiness that often sends me right back to my Trans-Pecos and Far West Texas roots. There's plenty to love about Desert Door. For me, it all starts right there. A close second is just how versatile Desert Door really is. You can go full highbrow and experiment with concocting a variety of cocktails that call for muddling fresh fruit, sprigs of thyme, sticks of cinnamon. It's perfect for that world. If you're a little bit more down home, if you've just rolled up the sleeves of your denim wrangler button up, it's perfect for that as well. If you're just desiring something that's short and sweet, it hits the mark every time. Desert Door is genuine and authentically West Texan. It's inherently West Texan. They harvest soto plants out in the wild and are knowledgeable conservationists at heart. That's obviously something incredibly important to me. They shine a light on what makes West Texas special and unique and worth preserving and keeping it safe from exploitation. Right now, you can find Desert Door all over Texas, Colorado, Tennessee, and there's budding numbers in places like New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Georgia. Best thing you can do is to check out DesertDoor.com to find where Desert Door is locally. Again, that's DesertDoor.com.
We'll get to the conversation in a minute, but first, if this is your first time listening to New Slang, go ahead, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button over on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Obviously, this is episode 194. So if this is your first time listening, there's plenty of other episodes with guests that ought to pique your interest. Okay, I also feel like I'm beating a dead horse here because I've mentioned it the last handful of times and I've obviously never really been that comfortable with self-promotion, but my debut book is coming out soon. It's called The Lubbock Way. It's about the Lubbock music scene circa 2015 to 2017. It was a short, rapid, and exciting time within the Lubbock timeline. It's stories and thoughts and maybe a little bit of insight on what happened and why. It's available for pre-order over in the merch store. I'd be eternally grateful if you ordered one or, I don't know, 100 copies. And it is my birthday today, Friday, August 27th. And really the best birthday gift you can get me is by treating yourself to a copy of The Lubbock Way, a collection of wallflower vignettes. Any of the important links that I just mentioned there, they will be in the show notes. All right, let's get into it. Here is Drew and Andy of the Red Clay Strays. a minute ago or a couple of days ago about some of y'all's latest trouble on the on the bus in Colorado obviously we're doing this because in on zoom versus in person because of a little bit of trouble getting into Lubbock but you you said you guys have had a hell of a a week after Lubbock just because you kind of you guys felt like you were uh you know stuck in Colorado which I'm sure there's not really Worst places you can be, you know. Oh, yeah, it was stuff. great. It was beautiful, at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we got a. We were supposed to play in Brighton a couple of days after we hung out with y'all and played with y'all, and we made it there and played to a county fair type deal, which was pretty cool. Um, oh, there's the fiance. Hello. <laughs> um. So we made our way towards Grand Junction. And how far away did we get? We were still a good couple hours out. Yeah. Well, the problem, we had to take an alternate route because uh, I-70 had rock and mudslides. So the interstate shut down. And I think that's the easiest way to get through the Rockies. And so we actually had to take a more southern route and literally drive through the mountain range, up and down mountains all the way. And then... I think we were still about an hour and a half out. We I watched our elevation. I was driving at the time go from seven hundred or seven thousand five hundred, and it was at about ten thousand five hundred, and it was still going up before the transmission just crapped out. And it just I was driving, you just hear it revving out, and it just nothing we could do on a very steep mountain with no pull off area. Yeah, it was all. just luckily where we were was a, a passing lane open. You know how they could do, and so we actually were we we're in a safe place. I would say. But it was still, still sketchy. Yeah, we were in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the uh, obviously you guys have this uh, this bus that you guys have really worked on for all this damn time. But essentially, basically, you know, same time you guys have been in this band, and um, you know, that's what I was going to ask right there is like who who usually does the driving? Who usually is like the one leading the the charge in this? Uh, you know, this giant, white, beautiful band with homemade uh, bunks in it and whatnot. I, I'd probably do 
uh, probably 50% or more of the driving, me and Brandon. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, most of the time no one really wants – I mean, driving's not the fun part. I enjoy it. I think it depends on how much we break down, too, because Brandon's the lead mechanic. Yeah. And the more that he's having to work on the bus, the less he's going to drive. Yeah. So Andy probably takes most of the haul. I'm third string, proud to say, uh, whenever they're done or tired. I don't like driving, but I will drive. So Yeah, most places we go, it's really a, a two-man drive will get you there. And we'll usually, I mean, sometimes like on the way out, when we got fixed, I drove 10 hours in the day. Just wasn't bothering me. But, you know, most places we'll drive usually about three hours max a piece, and usually we'll get where we need to go. Yeah, who's like the like the last person on the bench like the last person tagged in who's like the last uh choice to to be driving very last would be zach very last would be zach yeah i haven't seen zach drive that bus in a couple years we'd all have to be dead basically (laughs) what i'm saying yeah yeah (laughs) probably zach would be the one zach would be our artemis pile getting us out of the kids inside of the bus rent (laughs) yeah there's always that one person in the (laughs) In the bus or in the the band, who's like, it's not because of um, the enthusiasm behind their driving or anything like that. It's just their skills are so, you know, maybe a little bit below average, where everyone does just just doesn't trust them behind the wheel. And that's you know, also the youngest too. That might be part of it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's a big ride, man. And it it's is. A, it's a lot of. It's uh, intimidating yeah. to start out with. It's very intimidating, but. Because yeah. so we're not only in a in a big bus, we're also pulling a trailer behind it as well. So you kind of have to be mindful of your where you are in your awareness on the road. Right. Um, you got to be mindful of all the the surroundings there, and of course, like backing up in any kind of trailer situation, that's uh that's hectic. Um, yeah. yeah, we've gotten so. pretty good at it though. Lots of practice. We can we can put that trailer just about anywhere we need I'm to. I'm still not good at it. <laughs> I'm not good at it. So when we get in some tight spots, like um, either I, I'll drive and Brandon's in the you know outside directing or vice versa. So we can we can get in and get out of just about any situation. Right. Yeah. The uh, okay. So let's let's go back a second here. Um, we'll take everyone, the listeners, back. The first time I saw y'all was in Lubbock at the blue light, you guys are playing a Tuesday show. And I don't know if you guys remember, but like, um, I guess you guys had been booked there and then Josh Abbott wanted to play like a surprise show. So he kind of like, I remember open quote unquote open for y'all, um, which really just pushed y'all back some, but it was one of those situations where I know for, for me and a couple other people around there, um, who were at that show, you guys really just surprised the hell out of us because you guys were so damn good. And that was like the first time, like, you know, every once in a while you, you come across bands that you kind of go, Oh, I feel like I'm buying in on the, the ground level. Um, you know, I'm buying stock at like, you know, penny stock because no one else knows about them in this area or anything like that. Um, fast forward, through this past year of the, the pandemic, you guys had released a couple of songs uh, the previous year. Talking with a lot of different artists, you know, this past year has been clearly difficult on everyone. It's not been ideal. For y'all being such an, a young band, um, 
what other kind of did you guys feel um a little bit more pressure because of the pandemic because it felt like you guys were not being able to really properly launch y'all's career off and in ways that I know you guys had plans for as far as you know continuing to to release music and getting out and playing more shows what did what did y'all feel like the the pandemic did to y'all as far as you know the career goes and um you know what kind of other obstacles did you did you feel like you had to overcome because of being you know a really uh, an up and coming band versus having that established ground we felt like <clears throat> we felt like we kind of took the, air, the the wind out of ourselves a little bit you know what i mean so it wasn't necessarily like we had taken off or anything but it was we had a lot of a lot of good momentum happening especially yeah. like right after the uh, we got that song in that movie you know that was pretty pretty cool but then everything just kind of hit at once and we started losing gigs and some really awesome festivals yeah and, um you know and you don't like to think about money when you're trying to make art and stuff like that but we lost a lot <laughs> yeah. that we weren't making a whole lot anyway and uh you know we just kind of when it's when everything started happening you could feel that wind start to go and then you just started understanding all right well now we're in survival mode what do we have to do to keep afloat and keep our business going and uh just from just from then we've just been kind of staying afloat and playing gigs where we can and staying as safe as possible trying not to get covid we all got covid (laughs) at one point but you know uh I, and I guess we're starting, we're really not even out of it yet, you know, because all the numbers going back up. But Yeah, um, we had a, we, we did have a big summer planned. And um, it definitely hurts when you see those big dates that start to get pulled one, you know, one at a time. And a lot of them talk about rescheduling and it really never really happened, but. But some, we always, we, you know, we always just buckle down and find a way out. Just like breaking down, you yeah. know, just keep going. we're not going to stop. So we all picked up little side gigs to get us through and been hitting it hard ever since what, probably last September, yeah. last August. A lot of people that didn't cancel on us, we still drove up and did like a one-off, like in, uh, we did that in Omaha. We did it in uh, Ohio. So like those people didn't cancel on us. So we still went and had a good time. So just hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah, like it uh, I again like talking with a lot of other artists. Not that like you know on this podcast I just talk with people who are 20 years into their career or anything like that, but you know a lot of those other people have had a a record or two and it felt like they they had something to build off of that was you know where this year was off, okay, well I was going to be in that record cycle of getting the next one out. So in a lot of ways, it felt like it was kind of a natural time for them. For y'all, though, like it did feel very much where you guys were going into these new newer markets and trying to establish y'all's, establish y'all's name. And then also at the same time, you know, prepping something for a CD or a record at the at, uh, to release. And, you know, it, it felt like it basically was taking both of those places, both those channels, those avenues away. So, um, yeah, it's always one of those things where you kind of look at 
these bands and wonder how many bands, um, you know, just kind of disappear out of, out of after this year. And yeah. I'm I mean, glad that like, you guys have been, uh, I'm glad you guys have been one of those that's been able to stick it out because I think what y'all are, are doing is, is, uh, you know, really, really great. Yeah. And to go back on what you're talking about, you know, those bands that had an album or two out, they have a, you know, they still have something to stand on. And mm-hmm. we were, you know, we're still in the process of just building a fan base and it almost felt like it was he's almost restarting and in, in some of the markets we were in yeah because some people just you know they didn't there's nothing for them to take home after the show so they they almost kind of forget about you like we were we uh got to a point in uh omaha where we were playing yeah. like in front of a couple hundred people and just ever since then the numbers have just it, it like he said it's like been restarting yeah all over again yeah and and what else sucked was not only was the venues you know we couldn't play in front of people but the studios weren't allowing people to record either so like you said you're just getting you're getting hit twice it's like you have literally have nothing to do except make facebook videos and then facebook got mad that everybody's fans <laughs> were making money off of facebook and it's just taking every platform you had from you you know so This episode of New Slang is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue Light has long been the heart and soul of the Lubbock singer-songwriter scene and has been a home away from home for some of Texas Americana country and rock and roll's finest over the years. Talk with 99.9% of the songwriters who have come out of Lubbock and the panhandle at large over the past 20 years, and they'll point to just how integral and necessary the Blue Light is. With live music and touring slowly but surely coming back, spots like the Blue Light are getting back to their usual ways as well. That means music every night of the week. Do you want to see that schedule? Well, I've got a few options for you. One, go to their socials and give them a follow. That is at Blue Light Live on Twitter, at The Blue Light Live on Instagram, and of course, by just searching The Blue Light Live on Facebook. They're consistently posting that week's lineup of shows as well as those heavy hitters that ought to be on your calendar that are coming up on the horizon. Two, check out bluelightlubbock.com as well. There they have the full schedule, the cover charges, time, any of those specials that may be happening. While there, go check out their merch page. They have a wide range of hats, koozies, hoodies, sweaters, beanies, jackets, and so much more. You can, of course, get all of your merch needs when you go see your favorite band take the stage at Blue Light. Just ask the bartender and they will get you all set. Speaking of which, that's another great way of seeing who's playing there. Just go to the Blue Light. It's at 1806 Buddy Holly Avenue here in Lubbock, Texas. And of course, again, that is bluelightlubbock.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes too. Maybe I'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. One of the things that was fucking crazy about Facebook was they were um, it would happen with with artists who had 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 like a, a big hit, but like not their own hit necessarily. Like they had written a song for so and so, but, you know, they have the the songwriting credit and then they would play it. And of course, then it would get tagged because it's not their song. It's yeah, like yeah. Blake Shelton song or something like that. And then it's like, well, no, it's my fucking song. Cause like I, I'm the one who wrote it. And so they were getting where they're, uh, 
you know, their, uh, their feeds would be taken off and stuff like that just because, you know, quote unquote copyrights. And, and it's uh, not like you can just call Facebook and get that yeah. cleared up, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no customer, there service. is no customer <laughs> service. Exactly. Um, you guys, you mentioned, you know, picking up side gigs and stuff, but, um, what did you, I know like you guys clearly have like, you know, enough material for a, a, a debut. Um, did you guys also just end up writing a whole bunch of more material during this time? Or, um, is, was that not necessarily like, you know, on the, uh, you know, on the front burner since you guys already have a, a, enough material or, or what was, what was, uh, y'all's take as far as the, the creative outlet and, and creating this past year? It's kind of hard to create when you, you, you don't really have much, uh, inspiration road inspiration i mean you have love and then you have your friends and you have what you have around you but um for me writing was almost harder not having you know experiences and not having the experience to go the experiences that you go out and see like going out to texas and seeing all the wildflowers on the side of the road that are nothing like alabama or like going to colorado and breaking down on the side of a mountain and chilling out with the hippie commune, which we got to get back to that yeah, story. We'll later. Talk about that one. Um, it, it was, there was writing involved, but I wouldn't say it was, uh, it's not keepers. You know what I mean? You, you write songs and then you're like, yeah, that's, that's good. But you know, when you got a keeper and there weren't a whole bunch of keepers, but I, there were some songs written for sure. Yeah, and we did some, we did some rehearsing, not as much as we, we're expecting but we all picked up you know we all trying to pay bills and at the end of the day and yeah we all had to pick up side hustles to keep us going so not as good as you would think it would have been you know with the writing and creativity yeah i mean it's been an interesting uh you know obviously an interesting 14 months 15 whatever months 18 months where i think a lot of people thought you know, oh, give a songwriter, give a someone who is an artist that chunk of time to uh, to create, and that's like the the best thing you can give them. And it's not really like you can't just give you your you can't give guys like you fifteen months to like write um, because like the it's not like that. If you know what I mean, like, and I'm talking like fifteen straight months. Like, there's yeah. it's very very difficult to you know, um, consistently do that on a day-to-day basis throughout that period. Plus, like, as you mentioned, once you guys having to pick up other side parts, side jobs, uh, it's hard to get you all on the same room, I'm assuming. Um, what, what is it like, how has like, since you guys are, you know, pretty new as a band, what, what's it been like as far as the, the creative process when it comes to all five of you, where, where do songs, do songs come from each of y'all? Uh, do you guys all try and write for the group or, or what's kind of like the, the creative process when it comes to uh, the red clay strays and, and where do songs usually typically come from and how do they adapt and evolve? Um, well, between me and Matthew Coleman, which is Brandon's brother, uh, we're the we're the really the only two writers. Brandon's written a song for us. It's called "Don't Care," 
that's a really good one, but that's pretty much the only one he's written. Uh, a lot of my songs that I come up with are just either experiences or strong feelings of either, usually the sad songs are the ones that, uh, the strong feelings that I can come up with, usually the sad songs are the, the ones that end up being good for me. But uh, that's that's really it. You know, Matthew is more of a storyteller. He can come up with just about anything. Like he's also like a script writer. So he can, he can just come up with any story. Like he could see somebody on the side of the road and give come up with story. a back. Yeah, yeah. Give him a whole backstory. He's just, <laughs> just make it up on the spot. You know, uh, I just really what I, I come up, it's either a melody or lyrics, like the poetry itself that come first. And I just kind of fit the puzzle pieces until they, they finally come together, you know, and then I, I pitch it to the band and usually I'll show Brandon and if he likes it or I'll show one of the guys and if they like it and, uh, we move along with it and just work it up the way that we know how to. And we just, we hear parts in our heads that we go along with or, usually whoever has whoever's written the song has like the most creative control over it like if i hear something i don't like then i'm gonna be like hey you know that's not what i was that's thinking. not what i was yeah. thinking you know let's try something else but if somebody else has something that's already better then i'm just like yeah i like that let's keep rolling it's you pretty know? cool to see the songs that like drew sends me the rough cuts that he was recording in his bedroom and then what we get after a couple of rehearsals is, is pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool to see how much is added and changed with all our minds coming together. Even though we all don't, you know, lyrically write the song. Everybody's a part of it for sure. Yeah. 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 Like usually, you know, you know, in bands, it is either that one voice who's kind of like the dictator <laughs> uh, or, or it is where, you're so you're open where yeah i may be the one writing the lyrics or been the one who's the creative force behind it but you know this is the uh a collaborative effort once i give it to to everyone else to do their part because you know um you know the, a lot of people are like well i'm i'm the maybe i'm the the lead guitar player or maybe i'm the vocalist only i'm not the one coming up with the bass lines i'm not coming up with the drum parts i'm not coming up with you know, the, the vocal aspects of it. So it is a very much collaborative. And then of course you, you guys, you'll have every once in a while, you'll have the, you know, the, the dictator of a, of a group or a band. And I think we can all point to, or think of people, bands like that, but um, yeah. yeah, it's uh so what's, what's been something that like, when it comes to a song that, that you feel like you've seen blossom or change or morph in ways that you, uh, didn't necessarily expect once you introduced it to the band. Like what's been a song? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. do you have any examples of a, something that was like just that's changed or morphed over time, or like even in an instant that you didn't necessarily think that it was going to go that direction, but then it it did, and like, of course, you know, you're happy with it now. Well, off the top of my head, I remember was it till things get right. We never oh, yeah. rehearsed it. Oh, and dude. then Brandon was just like, hey, here's a new one. Let's try it at a, at a show. And then we just we we kind of looked at each other and then like, well, that was kind of cool. And then it progresses. It literally yeah. built itself from live performances. That one was pretty cool. It hadn't changed much since yeah. the first time either. That's what was really cool about it. There's little things, you know, that 
the listener really wouldn't be able to. F- I'm sure if they listen to it a few times, they would. Your average, your average killer. listener. If yeah, if they're not listening to it, they probably wouldn't even know from the first to now. But there's been a ton that we've done to that that it's just morphed into this whole thing that even like you have the crowd yelling back like yeah. tight, 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 night, night, night. And, um, and that was natural too. That was yeah. pretty weird. But that's just, that's really the only one that was, you know, and Matthew wrote that one, but that's, that's like the only one that I've seen has, has morphed the way that it has. Well, from my perspective, um, like hearing, like, again, like I said, hearing it from Drew's uh, like how Drew presents it, and then you add like, like ghosts. Yeah. Now you know there's a piano in it now, and that really changes the whole vibe of the song mm-hmm. from what it started at. So that's one that I remember that morphed quite a bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's always just going back to the other song, like you mentioned there, with the the like the the call and response, if you will. Like, was did that did that come out of like? someone within the band or, or was that just something where, you know, you guys are playing and some random in the crowd kind of where, where did I guess like the, that come from? Yeah. It started with John would yell it, but it, it, we never told the crowd to do it. They just picked up on it. And then like, when you get those, when you get our, our fans that seen us for a while mixed in with some new people, the new people pick it up, you know, pretty quick, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird because it started, it started in Mobile, and um, a couple of places out of out of state have picked up on it. I guess from YouTube or something, some videos. So that's pretty weird. Atlanta was pretty wild. Yeah, when we played, we played uh, Eddie's Attic. It felt like a Mobile show. Yeah, it there. felt like it was a local show, dude. They were you could tell people were waiting for it, yeah. waiting to to scream something back. So it's pretty cool to watch those little things that I would say the crowd picked up on. We never told yeah. them to do it; they just vibed just off did. of John doing it. Yeah. And it's kind of spreading on its own. It's it's pretty neat. People kind of paying attention, you know. Yeah, it's not like Brandon kind of just breaks it down before the song starts. Yeah. All right, you guys, after we, you know, after we say tight or night, yeah. you know, y'all do it. And they they just uh, kind of started doing it themselves. Yeah, and there's obviously those venues that they don't they're not in the know on that part yet, and they don't say anything. But John just keeps on doing yeah, it because I mean it worked the first time. Yeah, so. me and John will just scream it back there. Yeah, he'll do on the second go. He'll do. Woo! at the very end and we'll we'll do it together (laughs) people's picking up on that too because that's kind of something he added on so it's been cool it's cool to see the fans interact naturally yeah i i figured it was that much but i mean like it's almost kind of a a mythical it would be hilarious if it was just some you know old drunk man who heard y'all playing and started doing it and then you guys were like hey let's implement that into the song yeah the uh John, john's our crazy our crazy person yeah, the in that crazy time. old man yeah, he's our crazy uh, drunk old man. yeah he's our crazy <laughs> drunk old man he is he is old and he is occasionally intoxicated so <laughs> this episode is in part brought to you by charlie stout photography charlie stout has long been a great buddy of mine and for as long as i've known him he's always had a good eye a good eye for ideas for lines in a song and notably an eye for what makes a great photograph. Yes, we're going to roll with that tried and true cliche about a great photographer having a good eye. But it's cliche for a reason. More often than not, it means it's true. Right now, I want y'all to head on over to charliestout.com 
to get an idea of what I'm talking about. While you're at it, go give him a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Charlie Stout. Right now, he has about 50 photographs for sale on charliestout.com, with a vast majority of those being landscapes and sky shots of West Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. The American Southwest, if you will. A lot of cacti and clouds, windmills and open roads, sunsets and stardust. He captures a lot of what I love about West Texas and these dry, arid climates. That's mainly that vast emptiness that can really make you feel small. The depth and the weight and the intensity, it's all in there. Right now, he's doing a special on his prints. Each week, he releases a new photo. And for one week only, that photograph is at a special introductory rate. For just $25, you'll get an 8.5 by 11. That's just about half off the regular price. For $75, you can get a 13 by 19. And for $110, you can get a 17 by 22. After the week, they go back to regular prices, which are still an absolute steal if you ask me. Also, just a pro tip, keep a watchful eye out on his Twitter. He's consistently posting one-offs, errors, and randoms on there that are for sale that are in the flash sale variety. Again, that is at Charlie Stout for Twitter and Instagram. Head on over to charliestout.com, grab a signed print, buy a record, get yourself some nature sounds and some nature shots. All right, let's get back to the episode. As we mentioned before, you know, you guys have a couple of singles out. Um, you guys have the a, a song on the the Doctor Sleep soundtrack. Um, I'm I'm assuming like you know you guys are are planning on on getting some more material out soon. What's kind of like the the plan when it comes to 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 hitting the studio and kind of getting something ready for for a release? What what's uh what's what's going on in that department? There's some the there's some legal stuff going on, yeah, but the the plan is to be um to be fully independent here in I think the very near future, and then um you know we've tried a bunch of studios, we've got one we're, we've we've picked out we're gonna go give it a shot, but I mean this is you know this is the first time it's really been on us. A lot of it was like trying to cut corners and cut costs, and it just doesn't it doesn't work that way, you know. But and you got anything to? I don't know what to say and what we can't, what we shouldn't say. But we're going. Uh, we're planning on being in the studio very soon <laughs> and releasing stuff on our own time. Yeah, with we're, our own creative control. Yeah, and the uh, whole thing will be us. Us from getting a publisher to publicist. you know distribution. Yeah, yeah. publicist and we'll then, publisher and publicist. Yeah, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna do it the right way, but we're gonna do it on our own and you know own every percent of it on ourselves and then we want to be the machine least, yeah our we're going to be our own machine <laughs> but we're i think we're shooting for our, uh beginning of next year to have it ready to go yeah, yeah. Well, are you guys looking to stay home and do this or are you guys looking you know studio wise even looking into nashville or somewhere else or what? what's kind of the the, the consensus out there yeah go ahead north alabama like uh muscle shoals area Huntsville. Yeah, it's a very rich, obviously very rich music area. And if that doesn't work, then we're just going to keep trying. Yeah, there's a couple other ones we got in the back pocket we've been kind of eyeing. But we've done the Nashville thing. That's really not on the list right now. I mean, we haven't – we've been to a couple. We've been been in Omni before, and um, 
I recorded with uh, Abe Partridge. I don't know if you're familiar with him. We did it in um, what was the name of that studio? Remember? I can't remember. It was one of those those Nashville basement studios. It didn't feel like you're in a basement, but it was it was in the mm-hmm. bottom of this guy's house. It was pretty neat. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I know that like a lot of people are obviously anticipating some some music to to buy and to, to listen and spin. You know, yeah, I got all this vinyl back here. I need a red place. Oh, there, oh dude, vinyl. Will have, right that, is, that is a guarantee vinyl will be printed. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, exciting to, to listen or hear about. Um, you mentioned Colorado Commune a minute ago. You know, we need to, we <laughs> need to go hear. back to, to, don't, don't be to that. Oh, I'm not being disrespectful. <laughs> they, no, they, no, they accept they know that they're hippies. They call themselves river rats. They're hippies. Yeah. That's what the locals call them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, all right, so we got towed. Uh, we were stuck, very much stuck on the side of a mountain. Yeah, like yeah. a literal mountain. Yeah. Like you look up and it was 90 degrees. All Scary. Was rocks. Yeah. I mean, there, there were, I mean, if we would have stayed there long enough, a rock would have fell on us <laughs> and crushed us and killed us. So we got towed. 15, to this, yeah. Yeah. About, uh, how long away? Oh, we got a $1,500 tow at about. Uh, to a town 45 minutes away from where we were yeah. in the wrong direction. Buena Vista. Buena uh, Vista, yeah. It's called Johnson Johnson's Village, I think. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up at the only hotel that was open because apparently it's popping in Buena Vista. Uh, <laughs> well, because the I-70 shut down, people, it's a cut-through city at that point. It'll cut through town. So the hotels are slap full. Yeah. So the only hotel that was available there was, what was it called? Slackwater Inn? Stillwater. Slackwater Inn. Slackwater. Slackwater Inn. Very nice. And it was, yeah, super Not nice. Not cheap, but very nice. Um, They had a rafting company next door, and they had, like, a cafe and a Domino's, and that was all you could eat at in mm-hmm. town. So we got pulled off there, and we stayed there for the night, and we were like, all right, we need to get a game plan together, figure out what we're going to do, because yeah. we got a towed to a transmission shop, and they said, well, we're backed up for, like, three or four months, so yeah. there's no way that we're going to be able to work on it. We're they, like, well, yeah. damn. So... Uh, and, and, yeah. Andy yeah. walked in the room the next day and said, "What did I say?" You were like, "Hey, dudes, we got a game plan here." Oh yeah. Well, to to back up a little bit, it started off me and the the transmission shop was across town, across this little town. So me and Brandon walked about forty minutes there, and realized the guy was like, "I can't touch it for a month." He said, "I'm <laughs> I'm booked out." It's a transmission shop in the mountains, and it's the only one in like a forty five minute radius, and or until you get to Denver. And, um, well, we started walking back and, you know, we're thinking we're going to sit here and walk around town. It's going to take us, you know, four hours just to get around. So we just start hitchhiking. (laughs) We're walking back. It's not, it seems like nice people here. We just, we're walking out thumbs out and finally a guy picks us up and his brother actually worked at that, uh, rafting adventure place, um, next door to our, our, um, our hotel. And, uh, he said, he's got a lot of buses like y'all's back there, you know, maybe ask him if, if he's got one, you know, he's willing to sell. Well, we ended up talking to him and, and he had one that he said has been sitting for two years that uh, they haven't ran. And it just so happened to have a, a transmission rebuilt in it with less than 50 miles on it. So we kind of talked about it. Our only option was either that or drop the transmission and you haul it over to Denver, which was like two and a half, three hours away. And that would, you know, that's going to cost a lot. So we decided to buy the bus and he said, he'll knock off another grand if we play a show. 
So we start <laughs> off, we had about two days. We start stripping this thing to the bone. I mean, we're not taking it with us. We're getting that. We dropped the transmission while Brandon and a couple of the other guys are doing transmission. Me and Drew and Zach are um, ripping every part we can get our hands on. I mean, we took headlights, the grill, the front bumper came off, taillights, back AC unit, everything we could get our hands on. We took the driving chair out because the mechanic shop next to them actually wanted the leftover motor because it's pretty hard to find a 7.3, let alone in a junkyard. But, um, but yeah, we ended up taking it apart and, and playing for them. And the, uh, it's really weird. These, the, a lot of the kids are about our age. And they um they come in from like Virginia, and a couple of places around Colorado to do raft guides because they do it during the uh, winter time on the East Coast. And they live in you know these you know the campers you put on the back of a pickup truck, those yeah. crappy little campers. Well, they have like a trailer park full of them. There's like fifty of them out there, and they, that's yeah. where those kids live. And there's no AC or nothing. They live in them, and I mean these these are some these are these are hippies 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 hippies. We we played a show, dude. And it was like we were playing some festival out in the woods, dude. They were they definitely <laughs> partake in their in their fun. So they did like when, when we play we played for them. Have you ever seen the festival shuffle that you see from hippies? He's kind of sitting in one spot and yeah, move their feet. <laughs> yeah, very very white people moving. <laughs> not a lot of not not a lot of soul in the movement. No, there's not a lot of soul. In but it. They, it was like in between songs, they're still out there dancing. You just hear the gravel shuffling because they're still <laughs> dancing in between songs. They were a good crowd though. We had a, we had a blast, but that helped us get off get out of Colorado just in time to make it to Mississippi. We literally we didn't have much time to spare, so. Really, the the fun, the greatest part of the story was the triumph over moving that transmission from one bus to another. Yeah, on gravel. Like we didn't have on a shot. gravel. It was so we the way we did it was we dropped it, and we'd had we got it. They, we borrowed a jack. We had a three ton jack that jacked the front up, and then Drew ran ratchet straps around the frame for the back of it, so it's half suspended and half being jacked up. So we just. We barely move it forward. We jack the front up. We ratchet the back up a little more and just inching it. It was it was quite an operation. And it I think it surprised ourselves of it took three days. Well, it takes three process. days, but you know, you figure out how to because I mean that's that's a huge transmission. It's like put four hundred pounds. This right? might be more than that. Might be more than that. It was heavy for four people to move, and we're laying underneath a freaking bus bench pressing this thing yeah. up at at some time. So it was it was triumphant for sure. Yeah yeah like that's a <laughs> i mean there's so many places i want to go with that story um Ask I mean, away. It, it's yeah, the, we have so many we have a lot you. more i mean like i love the the stripping of like we we bought this bus now we have to take everything from it yeah. because like you know let's not waste a, a moment or a yeah. piece and of you it. don't you don't find those kind of buses yeah. like that no. strip parts off those are exactly. never in a junkyard yeah um two though like i mean okay like we the commune the 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 raft guides i feel like if you're a guide for any kind of thing a ski guide a a raft guide a fishing guide you're you're cut from a different cloth like you're just a certain kind of a dude or a gal who just is like okay with the flow of things you know um you you probably got a lot of like uh you know what are those sandals called? Like that that chacos. strap on? Yeah, they, yeah. Have, they all had chacos. their chacos on. There's so many chacos, dude. That's like the one brand loyalty thing. Like everything else is like you know, 
You can't have that. You can't uh, be loyal to loyal to any other band because it's you know the man and whatnot. Except for that brand right there. That's like the one that's cool. The the one okay brand. But <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I, I just don't understand why there's they're not on the deodorant game. That's the part I don't get. Some of them are. We mean we mean hippie out of the most respect. Yeah, it's respect. I think they they got a laugh out of it because so. they they were nice. People. They were all so wrong. kind, and they were all offering so many things and things we things we didn't need we at didn't the time. Need. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh man, it was. They gave us so many words of encouragement as we were trying to fix yeah. this thing, and they would walk by and like even after the show, they some dude I uh, can't even remember his name, but he came up underneath the bus while we were trying to put the transmission in was yeah. like hey you guys need a hand and like we were like sure so he laid a hand on him to help us out and he was like guys i just want to let you put a, put his hand on one of our shoulders was like i just want to let you know your music is making a difference you're bringing people together and almost almost i, I could almost feel tears coming and he was uh, very very he meant it he was very on meaningful. another level yeah and uh <laughs> Just the people there were so nice. They definitely showed you love. Like we'd see the same people walk by every morning, yeah. and they they'd always stop by and pop their head under, see how things are going, and going about their business. Well, we we see them again in the afternoon when they come back off the river. So it was neat. We we became a part of that little town for a little bit, and they became a part of us. It was normal. I hate to say it, it got normal for a minute, yeah. doing the same thing every day, waking up and. Hitting that little coffee shop, <laughs> yeah. eating Domino's for dinner. God, that's all there was was Domino's. Three or four days in a row. Sick of oh, Domino's. I imagine so. Yeah, the the Domino's. It's um, it's like okay, like it's fine for, you know, a dinner. Okay, we got some leftovers. Okay, uh, you know, a week straight, ten days or whatever the case. Yeah, maybe he a little. Caring after a while, just like, <laughs> like yeah, just order it, man. Just order it. I'm starving. Yeah. We need something to eat. Just get a, maybe just make it a flatbread this time. I don't <laughs> just know. change it Damn up it. somehow. Yeah, New York style, please. <laughs> get some vegetables. Uh, something else that was that we uh, what took adjusting was the the atmosphere. Dude, like, I couldn't breathe. Yeah, it was you literally because you know we're we're wa- we're coastal, we right. are sea level. Mm-hmm. That's ten thousand feet in the air, and I've got asthma, <laughs> so I was like, there were moments where my heart was beating faster than I could keep up with. It was just like you can't you cannot catch your breath it's so thin and like if you jog across the parking lot you're, you're done you're it's like you just ran a mile and though like it dehydrates you because the air is so dry right the humidity we're fish we're yeah. fish people yeah we're fish people and it just dries you out and you just i mean i probably we were drinking gallons each a day yeah. and just you could not get the dry mouth to go away no. and it was it dry was a whole dry yeah. mouth so, yeah I remember a couple of years back, me and some family, we uh, were staying like a week in Angel Fire, New Mexico. And it's like one of those like same kind of situations. You're up high in the mountains. Um, yeah, just bringing groceries in just everyday tasks where you're like, yeah. you know, just where it's a little bit more strenuous and you're like, holy shit. Like, OK, um, I just brought in like a, a case of water and some bags and just going back from the car three times you're kind of going all right now i gotta take a break let me uh let me sit down for a second yeah the uh that elevation it'll get you and it'll get you quicker on the the alcohol 
as well. That's what we heard. Yeah, that's what we heard. We were so we had we had a lady. They don't have Uber in the area, so we had to get some. There's like three or four drivers in the area who like are technically <laughs> kind of taxis or whatever. And she gave us the rundown. She was like, "You guys need to be drinking as much water as possible and drink even more, okay? Because if if you don't drink, you'll get altitude sickness. Is that what she said? High altitude sickness, and your brain will swell up and you'll die." <laughs> yeah, when she said that, we didn't. Uh, we were like drink alcohol at all that whole time. Oh no, I drank. Alcohol. Oh no, we did. We had. I we, definitely drank. We got yeah. boxes of Trulies. We're we Truly people. We're tr- Truly White Claws. You know, out there working on the bus, you drink a few here and there. But by God, if you didn't drink water, you yeah, were... you it drives you out even worse. Yeah. And we actually did some hiking too, because you know, you you got to do it in Colorado. Yeah. And dude, we 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 like hiked in three miles on one of on our first trails, actually in Trinidad. So it's pretty far south, almost like New Mexico ish. And dude, we were like, holy crap, we have to turn around and walk back up that mountain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, we were, where were we? What was that first place we went to? What was the name of it? Trinidad. Trinidad. Yeah. yeah. So we we made it through Trinidad uh, on one of the trails and started getting dark. Started getting dark. And we were like, all right, well, we need to go back. And Brandon's goofy. Brandon's, Brandon's like, from the country. of He's used to, he don't do trails. He walks through like, the woods. like, fine, let's just walk through the woods. I was like, no. We already came across a rattlesnake and a, like a big mule deer yeah. buck. Yeah, we, like, we, I don't we think we need a. That was that was great. I don't think we need to just walk, trailblaze through this mountainside of Colorado yeah. that we have no idea what's there. The rattlesnake scared the shit out of me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the rattlesnakes are big <laughs> and scary. It almost got John, dude. That was an aggressive rattlesnake. He came after John. Yeah, and was like actively trying to get John. We were it like, was it yeah, was let's go, let's go around it got funky but we just took trail out and we got back just as night was falling too so we almost messed up in colorado state troopers were waiting on us on the way back because we had parked illegally yeah we that weren't supposed fun. to yeah they were trying to clear the park out and there's five rednecks out in the woods <laughs> they all had their arms so we walked up on it and, uh they all had their arms crossed when we got up there zach had stayed on the bus because he's not much of a he's not much of a hiker and everybody was just like having their arms crossed when we got up there like this and just i laughed because i thought it was a joke and we got there and they were like hey it was uh, not so a joke three things guys uh you can't be here you can't park in the location uh we had some complaints that your 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 van was making some bad smells and some bad sounds and forgot where we were yeah we were like, <laughs> bad oh, smells so sorry you know yeah they don't like the diesel diesel running that was a, i mean as a campsite you know the people's got their generators and their their trucks running but yeah, they, they also gave us this thing that's like, I don't know how they do it down in the southeast, but you're in the yeah, west now. Was... Pay attention to the signs and follow the rules. We're like, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, sorry. I guess Easy we're just guy. uneducated down in the southeast. Yeah. Gee, we're just dumb. We're just dumb Alabamians. I want to break one more time to talk about our pals over at Desert Door and offer up a quick Thomas Mooney's cocktail minute. As I've said probably a hundred times by now, By no means am I a seasoned mixologist or bartender, but these have been some of my desert door go-tos. For starters, let's just go with the tried and true ranch water. Pop the top off the Topo Chico, take a good swig, now pour in some desert door and top it off by throwing in a few lime wedges. Never fails. This one, it's so simple it probably doesn't even count, but again, pretty foolproof. Do the exact same thing, but get you a Mexican Coca-Cola. 
I guess you can go with a regular one, but you're really cutting yourself short if you don't opt for the Mexican import variety. All right, here's the changeup you've been waiting for, Desert Door Sangria. This one is prime for when you have company coming over and you aren't wanting to just be over there making six different drinks at a time. What you'll need is some Desert Door, obviously, a bottle of red wine, honey, boiling water, apple cider, apple cider vinegar, some cinnamon sticks, a couple of apples, and some thyme sprigs. I know that may sound intimidating, but trust me, it's worth the prep. And honestly, it's pretty easy. For starters, get you a punch bowl, add that honey, those cinnamon sticks, and the boiling water together. Now you're going to want to stir that all up and let it cool down for about an hour or so. Remember, patience is a virtue. Once that's done, add some Desert Door and stir vigorously. Now add the wine, the cider, and the vinegar and continue stirring until it's equally mixed. Now slice those apples up and toss them in. Put in those thyme sprigs as well. Now you can pour that over some ice and you have a mighty fine sangria. Chef's kiss. Anyway, those have been some of my favorite go-tos as of late. And remember, Desert Door is as versatile as vodka and more refined, smooth, complex, and intriguing than tequila. It's rich in balance, and whether you decide to keep it simple or want to experiment, Desert Door is that perfect Texas spirit. There's plenty more recipes over at DesertDoor.com as well. Check out the show notes for a link. All right, let's get back to the episode. Oh, I love I love that the uh, just the the coastal elites out there in yeah. the uh, on the west coast right there. They're proud of where they come from. Oh yeah, and I think they thought we were kind <laughs> I'll of. I'll tell gone. you what, I didn't see any trash out there. No, it was definitely it's they a definitely Colorado clean beautiful. state. It's definitely a clean state. Got to give them that. They take pride in their and their and their their cities and and towns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, other than those those kind of stories right there of the you know, breakdowns and on the side of the road and, and hanging out with tour guides and whatnot. <laughs> you know, a lot of times when, when bands are starting out, you know, you have all kinds of ridiculous stories because you're playing, you know, uh, three hour gigs on, on a Tuesday and, you know, small town honky tonk bar or whatever, what other kind of cast of characters have made, you know, memorable impressions on for for good or for worse <laughs> i remember is there, one, is there any good stories kansas city. oh kansas city's a good one do kansas city because the other one i was talking about is just your local crackhead oh uh, we'll, we'll do the local crackhead too yeah. um <laughs> batman that was great yeah batman uh, was his name <laughs> uh we got stuck in so we were doing a run and I can't remember. It was a Midwest run, and we were doing Kansas City. It was one of the dates, mm-hmm. and we were playing at this place, Westport Saloon. Westport Saloon, and we had broken down. Like our turbo was going out. They so, blew what? We blew the turbo out. Yeah, yeah. So we were thirty minutes outside of town. I think this was like two years ago, and uh, we uh, had to get the dude who owned the venue to come give us a ride and tow our tow our trailer just to get back, just get get to the venue. And uh, we, you know, played our gig and we had to stay up in there. We had, they have an apartment on top that we stayed in for a couple of days. And uh, they had the cheapest 
tequila you could find. Oh gosh, it's plastic. Oh model. my gosh, it was the yellow. I don't even. It's like what's what's the brand? I, I couldn't. I can't I, remember. I didn't, Zach got a hold of that. Zach got a hold of it. <laughs> he was he was uh, drooling by the end of the night. That kind of deal. He had nothing else to do. We literally had to wait for Monday because everything was closed. So eventually, we had to hire a mobile mechanic. Um, who we who we uh, uh, his name is Joe. Called himself motherfucking Joe. He was Called a marine. <laughs> so he was, Joe he was, was a, a nutcase. He's cool. Good guy. Definitely a nutcase. Only one that helped us. Kind of dude that believes that uh, Hitler's still living in Argentina. Yeah. You know. Uh, shout out to Joe. He's a good man. Uh, but he came in and fixed our. <laughs> he fixed our turbo, but uh, in order to connect the turbo to, to our exhaust. exhaust yeah it has to have a v-clamp right and we had that's what we had to wait for is to get that v-clamp from the o'reilly's it came from the uh, their hub their distribution center so his idea was there was a piece of lumber on the side of the road where we were and he took it and pushed it down against the exhaust exhaust pipe to push it up into the turbo and just wrapped it with exhaust tape which is not like gas proof and uh, Brandon was like, Joe, you don't think that's going to catch on fire? I mean, that exhaust gets, you know, pretty damn hot. <laughs> it gets, it gets red, red hot. hot. He's like, man, that, that piece of wood right there is treated. You it's see it ain't rotten. It's, it's treated. He said, treated wood, it, it might smolder. He said, it might burn it a little bit. He said, it ain't going to catch on fire. So we were like, all right. So we started, we, we headed on out that night. And by God, that piece of wood caught on fire. Yeah, we and we had a bus fire. Yeah, luckily we had the fire extinguisher, but so we had to pull the doghouse. Or Brandon pulled was going to pull the doghouse off and said, uh, "Hey, when the, when we pull this doghouse off the front, it's going to catch oxygen and it's going to get big." Yeah, and Andy was right there, like well, in the stance, ready to go. And then Drew actually jumped off and saw it from underneath. I said, like, "Hey, was, we're on fire." Drew's out here saying, "I see the fire. I see the fire." I go out there and I had the fire extinguisher. And luckily, that thing was probably 10 years old, but it's still, still she's worked. still fired. Um, I sprayed it. And when I sprayed it, it knocked that wood loose and blew it into the cab, like into the into the bus. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one with the fire extinguisher. And there's four other rednecks yelling at me. So I go in there and I'm just cleaning house with this fire extinguisher. <laughs> and we get it. We get it extinguished. And, and just we just sat there like just sitting in our what are we this doing? This bus and it's covered in exhaust. I mean, exhaust. It's covered in uh, extinguisher dust. Yeah. And that's that was one of the lowest points we've ever been. That was our. Yeah. That was like, what are we doing? Me and Zach woke up the next day with flies on our face, not even caring anymore. Just not even trying to shoot the flies away. We were defeated enough just to like, just land on me, man. It's all right. But we the next day, me and Brandon walked to the O'Reilly's and got got an uber to the uh distribution and bought every v clamp they had in different sizes and we got one that worked and we hit the road and we drove i think it was about 16 hours straight to knoxville, knoxville from mm-hmm. kansas city so and we was, got there late and Vinny told us uh hey guys uh, we're not doing music anymore and i about we about, almost lost it <laughs> i mean i did lose it i was like no we're we're playing dude i don't know if you understand what we had to go through to get here we had we caught on fire. We drove sixteen hours. We we had to deal with my fucking Joe. Like you know, <laughs> like what is it going to take? So like he was like, "Sorry guys, we're just we're not." 
we got to the back of the trailer and we started unloading. And they're like, I don't know. Like, about oh, let's not. Well, I'm kind of tired. There were people there who were there to see us. So Brandon pulled out his acoustic and played a few songs. They, him, they but... made us some they made us some free pizzas and gave us some free beer. So we were we were happy. Yeah. Moved on with the tour after that and kept on rolling. That was our first big breakdown. So now we got a couple of those under our belt. So we, <laughs> we don't even freak out anymore. Like we we something goes wrong. You know, the bus is smoking or something. We just pop the hood, find the problem, fix it, and get on get on with it. Yeah, you gotta have to have that perseverance, that experience, that uh that veteran leadership right there. The <laughs> I feel like motherfucking Joe earned that motherfucking title for his name there. There's a couple <laughs> other titles we gave him in the bus on the way out, but yeah, that's pretty he, good. He earned that one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah that's how it is so but then we had batman so oh, yeah. i mean all we have are really breakdown stories man yeah, like, you know they, that's where you find the most interesting people they I mean. they say you got to pay your dues you know as a as, when you begin when you start we have paid a lot of dues <laughs> and we're just waiting for them dues to start paying off and uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like that's actually how that works you just pay them your whole life, I think. Yeah. The the one suggestion that I, I keep on seeing that that's a, a a constant in these breakdown stories that you need is a bicycle. We've been talking about that a bicycle or a little pit bike in the trailer, something to get us around on. Mm-hmm. We are talking. We are trying to upgrade trailers. We're trying to get one that's like good two feet longer, fourteen footer. And taller Actually, four feet Brandon, keeps, Brandon keeps hitting his head on it. Yeah, we talking about getting a little pocket bike, getting a little pit bike or something we can drive on the side of the road. But that thing will break down too. I'm sure if it's in our hands. <laughs> then you're really screwed. Yeah. Then you guys are just like walking a, a bike, trying to find a, you know, some some parts for that. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta fix this first and then we can fix the bus. Dang. Yeah. Something else to break. <laughs> All right, let's, we get a lot of. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna say we get a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of hate on on from our fans about our bus. Man, everybody keeps saying, "Oh, because we, we post about it." You know what else we gonna post about? It's like, hey, here we are, broke down again, and whatever. And they're like, "Y'all need to buy a new bus. Y'all need to buy a new bus. Let's start a, a GoFundMe for a new bus." Yeah, I was trying to show off all these fantastic pictures that Carly took of us on the yeah. side. They're like, "My God, get you another bus." Well, like, we. We bought another bus. Yeah, we did. We stripped the shit we out stripped of it. The too. shit out of it. But I mean, any <laughs> buses break down. Who? Someone's got a. It's a fact. It. Yeah, buses it's break Dale down. Watson, man. Yeah, and um, I think right. If we bought another bus, it just break down too. At least we know what parts we've been replacing. This is a piece out of time. Does we'll this have bus, a new bus by the end of it? Does this bus have a name? The breeze. The breeze. That's when we bought it. We were driving it back from Louisiana. It didn't run when we bought it. The alternator was hooked up. It had a bad alternator in it, so we just kept switching car batteries out in it. <laughs> and um, actually, Zach's – so my dad went with us originally to buy it because we needed a ride out there because we were going to drive this thing home. It broke down with my dad. So my dad had to stay with us in the bus on the first night owning it in an O'Reilly's parking lot, and it was in the middle of summer, and it was hot. No, it was actually wintertime. It was wintertime because we were – it was freezing cold. But – um. Then Zach's dad came back to when they drove the bus home, and he said he could see it where it used to say the breeze on the back of it, like where they ripped the stickers off. Yeah, it was like the breeze company or a church breeze, or yeah. something. Yeah. But we we're like, 
he that's, kept his name. That's Ronnie Van Zant. Yeah, to tell us something. That's yeah. Skinnerd man. So <laughs> we kept the name. We're big Skinnerd fans, so <laughs> it worked out for the best. Yeah, I'm just I'm anticipating, you know, 15 years down the lo- line here when you guys do the conceptual record about the breakdowns of the bus. Just call the record the breeze because I feel like everyone needs that record of the the breakdowns. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's part of playing music on the road is breaking down. I mean everybody had to deal with it. I've got at least three songs about breaking down that I've written. <laughs> yeah. <You know. laughs> Are the keepers? Nah, maybe not yet, but they're you know work them up. They might be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Batman two seconds ago. Oh when you yeah, did, yeah. Go. Uh, what city were we? Was it? We were like Alabama? outside of Montgomery. It was yeah. Alabama. This uh, this dude walked up to me and Zach. We were we um we were like man, a water what? pump, wasn't it? It might have been the radiator. No, it wasn't the radiator. I think it was one of the pumps. I can't remember. Yeah, we broke something. <laughs> but this dude walked up to us asking for a cigarette and stuff, and um, we ended up giving one. And I mean, we're sitting there broke down too so we just start chit chat with him he talks he, he gave us the whole rundown of the 80s crack epidemic and and why he was a crackhead himself but he was a pretty interesting character he he said it, they call him batman and uh that's pretty much the extent of that one he was just a neighborhood crackhead that got a hold of the wrong stuff sound like he got in the right at one point in his life and then Got back yeah, he told wrong. us he told us how jail was and all that stuff. So he was a character. He almost wouldn't leave after a little while. <laughs> We're like, all right, Batman, yeah, we gotta we, go. We gotta go now, buddy. <laughs> we'll see you. Yeah, I think he was uh, wanting to hop on, you know, ride, just ride the back of it. Um, that style. The okay, so this is something I, I find hilarious when it comes to. Um, it's a lot of times when it's outside of venue, the band's already loaded up or you're, you guys are in the process of loading up. And then, you you know, there's maybe that homeless guy or the some guy walking through and they are looking for a cigarette and they ask you for a cigarette. And of course, a lot of times even people will be like, oh, can I buy a cigarette for a dollar? That whole thing. And then you go, ah, it's just a cigarette. Take one, you know, take it. And they go, well, then can I have two? And then you're like, no, like uh, I was offering one for free, not like <laughs> the half a pack, you know, like uh, how many times do you guys run into that kind of, you know, the the, per- the person who you, you, you know, you, you give them an inch and they, they try and take a mile, you know, countless number, of probably those characters coming up. Yeah, we, we've had that happen and we try to, you know, when we're on the road, we try to help people where we can, like, we'll find some, we'll find some folks like a truck stop that aren't, you know, they're out there looking and recently there was a couple that actually did need some help yeah and we went in and we 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 gave them a bunch bunch of good stuff out of the truck stop but i remember this one guy specifically he actually it was this older black guy came up to us and we were loaded up and um he was asking us about what we're doing probably asking for a smoke then he started singing skinnered songs to us remember that I might have been asleep or something. You, I think you were there, but we all just started singing Skinnerd songs together with this homeless dude that came up to us, and oh, he was a really good yeah. singer. So, I mean, that's not really what you're talking about, but it's a cool <laughs> story. This dude just wanted to sing some Skinnerd with a, with a, with a band. So, dude, one more interesting 
character that we've met on the road. Uh, we were in Charlotte one time playing at this place called uh, 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 Thirsty, Beaver. Thirsty Beaver. And we this little <laughs> kid came up to us. <laughs> oh, my God. This kid was right around on a scooter, bro. He was like 13. May, may have been 12. Yeah. May, like 11, 12, 13, something like that. And, and just like. What did he do? He was like offering us drugs or something. He was selling crack rock. I think this little redheaded thirteen-year-old reminded me of John. Yeah, just and this little kid. I, and I remember just he was just riding around. He's running in and out of the bar, and I was like, "How old are you, dude?" And he's like, "Old enough to ride this scooter." He said, "I hacked it." I said, "How'd you hack that scooter?" He said, "I took somebody's credit card." I said, "That ain't hacking it. That's stealing." <laughs> And then uh, he kept going to this old guy across the street, and he would hand him money. The dude would hand him some more crack, I guess, and he would walk around talking to people selling crack rock. I was like, we should just go over and beat this kid up, yeah. take his crack and leave, just so he gets a little taste of it. <laughs> Being a little, little asshole kid. <laughs> Needs his ass whooped. The, the thirsty beaver. I've heard uh, <laughs> so many damn stories about the thirsty beaver. That place is one of the coolest places to ever play they didn't have you you know the story about them yeah i've heard the story because uh to, to give a little info on um so on clubhouse like the the app there for a while um and i'm sure you guys have run into this guy his name is jeff i can't think of what his last name is but he's from uh where, where's thirsty beaver at south carolina Probably. or north? north is it Charlotte, north yeah okay so he's from around that area and that's kind of like his go-to home bar and so he was he's informed us on many a drunken night over like a three-month period uh about the thirsty beaver and um you know uh the story of it and kind of like the location the location i had to keep on looking it up on google maps and shit because it looks fucking ridiculous because of uh you know those apartments around it and stuff yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> they were they were they were offered millions for their land and they didn't sell it. So they it's like this either. big, beautiful, nice apartment complex. And it's literally they built a U around mm-hmm. this this little tiny dive yeah. bar. But it makes it super rad. And when we play there, dude, they just pack in right. your face like the guy. The, the owner keeps coming up and pushing monitors back to make you get tighter and tighter. We're literally standing on top of each other. I mean, uh, like I'm trying to play guitar and these people are and you're at the doorway. Like I'm, I'm on the doorway. Like I'm standing right next to the door and people yeah. are bumping into me as I'm playing guitar and they're trying to get into the bar. And I mean, this place, they just, and it's cool ass people that go there too. They have such a cool crowd, but the, we played there the first time it wasn't, I mean, it was crowded, but it wasn't slammed. But the last, the time I think we played there two more times. Yeah. Dude, there are people standing on the bar because there's nowhere else to stand. It's this tiny little place, and it's so much fun. Just yeah. loud rock and roll. They're freaking out. It's awesome. By the, by the looks of the photos, it looks very, very narrow, but long. It's a hallway. Like, it's a freaking it, hallway. I, I think, like, uh, if you just, like, if you're looking at it from the front, you, you realize, like, oh, there's maybe, like, six parking spots for for like bikes and that would be yeah, how it's on the motorcycles yeah as it, as it be. yeah we actually have to park a block down and tote our gear down the sidewalk to get in there so but if you ever find yourself in charlotte go check out the thirsty viewer that place is pretty rad especially if music's playing yeah. they usually got some pretty good acts yeah they, they usually bring and they don't so the whole thing is you don't pay to get in and they don't pay their bands 
So everybody just tips. tips. And he like he he comes up to the microphone, the owner, and you know, stops the show and you know gives a spiel about, you know, we want to keep it like this where we you don't have to pay a cover, but y'all make sure these boys get paid. You know, they're all the way from Alabama mm-hmm. and they will fill a tip bucket up. People are, that place is really cool and it's got a got got cool people going there. Yeah, it sounds like it. And as uh like I said on Clubhouse, Jeff informed us on just who he had seen at the Thirsty Beaver before they were big people. And it was uh I crack up just because Jeff's Jeff's storytelling style. You guys have probably met this guy at the Thirsty Beaver. But He's a Thirsty uh, Beaver goer, we probably met yeah, him. But uh anyways, but um yeah, it's uh it's been great, great talking with y'all. It's um like I said at the very beginning, you know, we, we tried to do this in person last time y'all were through. Hopefully we'll be able to do this uh, when you guys got a, that record coming out next year. And um, yeah, it's been, uh, been a wonderful time hearing all these damn stories about being broke down. <laughs> yeah. There'll be more. Yeah, there's probably a whole episode more worth probably... All right, that's it for this one. If you haven't checked out the Red Clay Strays just yet, go ahead and do so. Go check out our presenting partners over at Desert Door, Charlie Stout Photography, and the Blue Light Live. Be sure to go and check out the merch store. Order The Lubbock Way, my debut book. And yeah, I'll see you all next week for more episodes of Newsland.